0: to take another 15% off of this course, and uh, we can't wait to see you there. All right. Welcome to another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. I am a professional scrum master. That's my title. I'm Ryan Ripley. This gentleman here is Neil Killick, uh, Agile Whoa. Coach, Agile Methods, Agile Thinking Extraordinaire,
1: um, <laughs> AT8, definitely- certified AT8.
0: There you go. Yep. Certified ATE. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Agile <laughs> thinking expert, something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, Neil's, uh, I think, I think old school agile is how I think of like Neil and, and a lot of us that were we've been kicking around ideas for a long time. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you saw his story slicing video and, uh, I'm sure there's been a lot of great comments there. We'll look into the future and see if that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Today, though, kind of a different topic. We're not going to be so tactical and, and not so much up in the product owner's business, which I think we're the very product owner specific. Actually, whole team, right? And so I thought that video was fun. But Neil, you've got some great thoughts around a topic that Todd and I we get asked almost in every professional Scrum Master course we at, we teach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this comes up especially in the advanced class, and so yeah. we have we sure we certainly have a take on it. Um, but I'm really curious because I think you've got a way to frame this that could be even better. And so what we're going to talk about today is demonstrating the value of the agile coach and or scrum master, right? We're not saying the two roles are the same. We're just saying that there are some similar veins of value that they create. And so before you send me emails or comments about they're not the same, I agree. (laughs) We're with you. Um, But there are some similarities. that this. I think the way that this is going to get framed could help. Is that a fair kickoff, hmm. Neil?
1: Yeah, I think so. Look, uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think this is, I guess, helpful for anyone who is tasked with, you know, some kind of, you know, creating an improvement culture. Sure. You know someone someone who is a change agent, someone who is uh, helping to support people to become better and more productive, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, that's uh, a thing again i see people struggle with a lot is that you know as coaches or as scrum masters we're often just kind of thrown into a situation with it with a team uh and the team isn't necessarily on board with the idea of having a coach or a scrum master as well which makes it even harder um and we're sort of you know we, we 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 use our experience and and what have you to figure out, you know, what we should do and and, and how we can help the team and what have you, which is all good stuff. But the challenge is that it's not necessarily aligned with what the people who are paying us actually want us to do or want want to achieve. Um, And or even if it is or even if it feels like it is right now, without having anything kind of tangible, uh to actually sort of look back on and 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 say this was the value we created you know and i've seen this i've seen this happen where you know you could it, sort of six months down the line and suddenly someone's boss is saying to them you know what's the value of the coach you know what are they doing and it's kind of like all that stuff you know you've been doing over those six months is is uh, you know it's going to be forgotten a little bit right uh, so and now it's like, well, you know, can you demonstrate the value of what you've done? And it's like, uh, how do I retrospectively demonstrate the value of what I've done? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really tough. So, um, so I suppose I, 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 this, this technique is, is, is a way of, I suppose, creating a bit of collective ownership around what it is that we're actually trying to accomplish from an improvement perspective. Um, and then actually having, you know, um, uh, Sort of tangible benefits and, and tangible progress um and 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 i suppose along the way something that you're, you're you're recording you're you're um you know you're documenting if you like as you go so it gives you something to look back on and say this was value that I, you know i brought to the table um uh, you know rather than having to just kind of um just say i'll remember that day three months ago yeah. um so so it starts with the premise, I suppose, of if I think about um, as an agile coach or a, scr- as a scrum master, and let's put aside, let's put aside delivery for a moment. So let's just think about um, improvement. So operational improvement. OK, so um, let's say, for example, um, that the, um, the team wants to improve its speed to market with a particular product or, you know, there is a desire um there is a broader desire to improve speed to market for a particular product um, so as a as a coach here what i can do is so i can kind of um create an improvement agenda around that so you know we could call it improve speed to market for this product without negatively affecting quality or customer satisfaction okay so really key thing to point out here is if we're if we're talking about some kind of operational improvement we need to make sure we've got like counter counter balances there because if we just focus on speed, we can have negative consequences. So we want to make sure that we're looking at the landscape um, of, of what we're doing. So, so I suppose, broadly speaking, so there's some kind of improvement agenda. So as a coach, I've noticed something or someone has told me some improvement that needs to happen. So there's an improvement agenda ad- agenda that gets established. Um, so then what do we do with that? So as you know what we often see is that improvement agendas people don't you know if 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 they don't feel like they need to participate in that or actually do something around this improvement they won't do that like if they feel like what they're actually being measured on is the delivery of the thing they're doing then they're not necessarily going to be willing active participants in this improvement so what we need to do at this point is what i call establish an imperative Okay. There needs to be a compelling reason why people need to participate in this improvement. So, and I'll go into more in detail about that in a second. So let's establish an imperative. So let's assume we've done that. So everyone is on board and realizes that they have no choice, but to participate in this improvement It's expected of them. So then the next thing is, well, we now need to support people in how they can accomplish that. So they don't necessarily are, they're not necessarily equipped to do that you know knowledge wise or skills wise or experience wise or they might not have the tool tool set to be able to do that or the, the, there might be things in the culture and the environment that don't allow them to do that so this is where coaching can help so we we can coach and embed these ideas and really really uh, help to br- uh, bring them to life and create this improvement and then we and then we need to inspect we need to look at what we've actually done and how well it's worked and maybe we can you know measure the sentiment of the of the teams and um you know really really think really really sort of observe, observe what we've done and how well it's worked sure. and, then, and then and then that comes back and feeds back into the improvement agenda so that's that's the the, the the broad cycle now in terms of so in terms of actually um now establishing some sort of concrete value in this so um when we talk about this establishing imperative so one technique which is very, very popular nowadays for establishing imperatives, particularly around product development, is a thing called OKRs, so objective and objectives and key results. So, you know, we, we, we talk about a particular project or a particular product we're building. We say, well, what's the objective? What are we actually trying to achieve uh, from a sort of business outcome perspective? And then we apply key results. So we actually apply measures that are going to tell us that we're being successful with that. Um, with that product. So you can actually apply this same technique with operational improvements. And um, and what that does is it actually puts on the table that this is an important piece of work. It's actually part of our work. You know, if we're defining our quarterly goals and we're having our, our quarter of work using OKRs, there's no good having uh objectives all around products and deliverables and then having nothing around operational improvement. But then expecting people to um, to actually improve operationally, it ain't going to happen because we have we have we have said actually what we really care about is that you deliver X Y and Z. We we don't actually you know you can you can get away with not making these improvements as long as you deliver your stuff. So that won't cut it. So to create an imperative, we've got to say this is an important part of your work. So creating an OKR uh, is one way of doing that. So um, So what I would do here is create um, um, an OKR. So the objective being improved speed to market for product X without negatively affecting quality or customer satisfaction. That's our objective. Now we need to establish some some key results for that. Right. So, well, it might be, um, for example, uh, releasing fortnightly um, and um, reducing escape defects to.
0: All right. This fancy Queen's English. What's a fortnight, Neil? Come on, (laughs) come on,
1: two weekly. All right,
0: two weekly. Got it. Thank you. Fortnite. Got it.
1: No worries. Yeah, Um, and we won't even get to the difference between bi-weekly and uh, two-weekly because then that gets really confusing. Got it. Um, it. So um, yeah, so um, as an as an example, right? So you know, we want to apply some real tangible measures to what we mean by improving speed to market. So if we're only releasing. You know, if, if, if currently our plan with the product is to release in about six months time, then we can't improve speed to market without actually releasing earlier than that. So the first key result might be that we actually, you know, re- release, um, uh, say, every two weeks or 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 just a couple of times um, in the interim. Um, and also, again, we need to have that countermeasure because what we don't want to do is people to optimise for, well, let's just release something, let's get it out the door so we've got to make sure that the we don't have any negative consequences on our, for example, customer satisfaction uh, and the quality of the product. So we might also look at for, in, in our key results, you know, def, uh, defects not not going not going up, uh, customer satisfaction not going down, right? So we apply, uh, you know, so two or three key results onto this objective. This now is becomes part of everyone's work. Yep. So then the next step is well. Um, what do we actually do like okay so the result of us releasing more frequently uh uh, that's great but what do we actually need to do so this is where i apply the um so i extend the okr to what we call okras so where you add in activities into the uh okr world so we've got our okrs now what we can do is look at in terms of each of the teams and each of the groups what are the activities that we need to do in order to um, make those results happen? And you know that's going to differ depending on, on on who you are. Right. Um, you know, and so if you're a um, you know if you're um, a t- you know a, t- a technical team member or developer, you might have to you know build a CI/CD pipeline um, in in order you know because we don't have that right now, so we can't you know we can't release frequently because we don't have that pipeline set up. Um, for a, for a coach, you know, you might be uh, assisting the team with that um, or, or with automated testing. You might be helping the product owner to communicate, you know, with their stakeholders that there's going to be a, a slowdown of feature development or a pause on feature development while we uh, address this ability to release more frequently, et cetera. So there's a bunch of activities, you know, for, for, from the leaders or managers point of view, they need to obviously prioritize this improvement agenda they need to communicate it they need to um protect the team from other work so it's no good saying we need you to do this um improvement imperative but we also need you to carry on delivering all your other stuff you know we need to create some time and space for a you know a bit of a sort of task force to come together and make this happen so you know managers have responsibility to do that that. so what we can do again collaboratively and, and, you know, and we can have a single artifact that shows what's going on and what the activities of each of the different groups, which are all um, uh, needed in order to re- uh, achieve this result. And they're all um, uh, complementary. You know, they're not going to be in conflict with each other as well, which is a really key thing we need to make sure. So we can now work as a group. We all have an imperative to improve, um, improve the speed to market. We all know, we all have defined what we all need to do to help each other to be able to do that. So now we've got concrete artifacts. Uh we've got key results which means so by the way um these key results if we're not already if we don't already have a KPI measuring that thing then the first thing we need to do is to is to create that. So you know if for example we say well we don't want to re- we don't want to um uh, negatively impact uh, defects or we don't want to negatively impact customer satisfaction right. but we're not actually measuring those things then the first thing we need to do is to measure those things. Yep. So and so, this is where um, and this is a little bit of a differentiator here between a KPI and an OKR. You know, we often talk about these things as competing or whatever, but actually, for me, a KPI, a key performance indicator, is what is 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 to is what are the things that we care about, um, and if we care about those things, then. You know, we should have a a, a measure of those things. We, you know, we want to we want to. Um, it's kind of like your your heartbeat, right? Your heart rate or your your um, you know, your blood pressure, right? We. It's not like we're trying to increase it or decrease it necessarily, but we want to know what it is because we care about that thing. Right. So, so you would have a KPI around customer satisfaction because we care about it, or you have a KPI around um, escape defects because we care about it. So we measure those things and we say, okay, well, um, you know. If those things are at a level that we're happy with, then that's all good. We we carry on measuring it, but we don't do any particular imperative around it. Where we've got something that isn't good, so for example, our customer satisfaction is terrible, then we might want to create an improvement imperative around improving customer satisfaction. And this is again, where we can create an OKR A um, and create that operational improvement objective and and then get everyone uh, all of the different key activities in place um, in, in terms of what everyone's going to do to make this happen you've got your measures in place so now you can go off and do this stuff and then see the effect on the kpis and 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 see if you've actually met your your key results that you're aiming for for this improvement imperative so this this act of a being the champion and in initi- initiating that as a coach, um, and, re- and re- recording it and facilitating it and helping everyone with the overall actual implementation of the OkRA as well as the work that's needed to be done for the explicit improvement. this is all tangible measurable value that you've now created because you can now you can now say as a as a company or as a team, we needed to improve quality or we needed to improve customer satisfaction. So I helped the team create this okRA. These are the things we all did. I facilitated all these groups to do this. And then the result of that was that quality has improved customer satisfaction has gone from here to here. Now that doesn't mean that you've directly caused that, but you, but you are showing that you are, were a significant contributor and, and, and champion of that thing happening. So that's basically the premise.
0: Yeah. And I, and I like taking some of these, like you can actually take escape defect, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And show over time trends, and how much yep. of our of our capacity is committed to that, what the cost of that capacity is, and for the next twelve months since we made this improvement, we've brought X dollars back into new development instead of defect support, and yep. you can really get pretty interesting with with actually justifying your role. I think very quickly, yep. um, this helps. What I, I I like the you're using a term here that the improvement imperative. Yeah. And I think I'm going to start talking about that in, in the leadership class, like basically telling the leaders, if you don't set this imperative of improvement, yeah, yeah. why would you ever expect your teams to improve? And I, I think that's so important that from a leadership perspective, if you yeah. don't set that, it's not going to happen. And I think you're a hundred percent, you're hundred percent right. OKRs are typically set at a delivery level Yeah, and it's, we're going to deliver this and this quarter and this and this and this. And this. Yeah. So Say goodbye to, to improvement because exactly. we're just gonna cut the corner and do whatever we need to do yep. to ship,
1: right? We're too busy. We're too busy to improve, right? Yep. We, we all we all we'll always prioritize. You know, oh, we've got to get this release out, or you know, we've got this important um, release meeting, or whatever it might be. It will always that will always be prioritized over the um, uh, the operational improvement. So until we actually embed operational improvements as things that are actually the work. They're not like something we do when we've got a bit of capacity. They're actually part of our work. Um, And yes, that that needs uh, leaders, the the leaders to be driving that, not the coaches. So the coaches need to be supporting and facilitating an agreed uh, improvement imperative, not driving it themselves, um, because they will just hit brick walls off brick wall off brick wall. And what's even worse is that it can get kind of gaslighted a little bit, whereby it feels like they have management support for something. And then later on, when that thing people are rebelling against or it doesn't, or it didn't feels like it didn't really work. And there's a perception that it didn't work. The coaches then uh, are then kind of, you know, easy targets. You know, you're supposed to be making the teams improve. Why didn't this happen? Blah, 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 blah. So being very, very explicit and actually creating these artifacts and helping our managers in, you know, in, in, in doing this stuff and saying, you know, look, this is, this is what's going to be needed in order for this to happen rather than just going off and just, you know, tr- trying to use our expertise and experience as coaches, which can feel good and help in the short term. You know, we can feel like we're adding loads and loads of value over, over you know, months and months and months. And then one day, one fine day, someone turns around to you and says, you know, what value have you delivered? What, what, are, what, you know, and you say, Oh, I right, did this and this, and the team, you know, Started doing these um, uh, these ceremonies, and you know they improved their velocity. Blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, but what what's the result of that? Like, what you know what's what's the actual tangible result of that? And then we're we're really struggling. So if we start from the from any time we when we sit back and we actually have a conversation with ourselves and say, what am I going to coach the team on this week? Um, make sure that actually the things that you are planning to do connect to a real objective that you know about that's you know that is somewhere in the in the business or the team objectives and you have a conversation with you know whichever managers you need to have conversation with to make this really transparent that you know this thing needs to improve this has been recognized as a thing needs to improve so i'm doing these activities here as an attempt to improve this thing you know that's the first step you know beyond even these okra stuff Creating that traceability, that connection through to your day-to-day activities. Otherwise, we're in—we t- have a tendency to just go off and go. Oh well, I think what the team needs is they need to start doing TDD, right? And I'm going to now right. go. I'm, I'm now going to get this. I'm going to—I'm going to get obsessed about the team. Oh, you know, they're not doing TDD or they're not writing unit tests. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm noticing these gaps in what they're doing, and I, so I'm—I'm I'm prioritizing that as a thing that I'm going to coach. And that's very, very dangerous, choppy waters. So. Much better to tie in whatever you're doing to a real, you know, transparent improvement uh, initiative. And then you are documenting your value, you're docu- you, you are creating accountability around the things I'm doing and the things I'm trying. This didn't work, this worked, blah, blah, blah. And I'm measuring the outcome. So, you know, like I mentioned, that, you know, make sure that there are KPIs, you know, can I, it only needs to be three or four, but the things that, that, the things that the business cares about right that the that, that people talk about on a day-to-day basis those things make sure we've got some kind of measure for that so that we can uh, we can um attach improvement agendas and imperatives around it and we can measure the outcome of that improvement imperative as well
0: yeah i, I think this is critical it's also you know i, I think this issue is, and and I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I have a hunch that this is why Ken Schwaber created evidence-based management. Yeah, I yep. think he realized that there were areas in the market and areas in delivery, you know, because a lot of things you're talking about, time to market, throughput, all of these things are are in this um, kind of time to market area in, in EBM, we've got ability to innovate. So there's context switching, but you don't know until you start measuring, Yeah, right? And I think that's your big, big comment. We need the baseline. Uh, to actually figure out the actions that we take as a coach. Do they move mm. the needle? Yes or mm. no?
1: Mm. And if
0: the answer is no, then perhaps we had our own ideas in our head, like your TDD example, which by the way, great practice. Oh, of course. Yeah. But if you don't have a need there, then you're like you said, you're in some very choppy waters, but whether mm. it's, it's OKRs or KPIs or evidence-based management or whatever you of course, I, I have my preferences. Mm. You mm. have yours and measure, find the trends and then yeah. what I have also found is useful, Neil, and maybe um, I'd imagine you'll agree with this as well. Um, ask the team what makes delivery so difficult.
1: Mm. Oh, gosh, right? yeah.
0: try to yeah. try to figure out. Like, are there some really big ideas here? And, and the thing I like to do here, your your improvement imperative is such a great phrase. We should be taking that uh, like a retrospective. Should be a part of that discussion. Should be what's the what's the most important thing to improve in the way that we we work. And how yep. do we orga- operationally, right? And we yep. take that imperative that the team comes up with, and as a scrum master, I should be taking that to management and leadership and advocating for this to be elevated.
1: Well, or or, or or even well, I should be able to. I should be able to bring up, hey, here is the current improvement imperative. Yeah. So what what you know what can we do to get better at that thing? Yep. And that's and 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 you know that's a brilliant thing if if everyone can is looking on you know singing from the same hymn sheet and looking at the same thing that that's quite powerful now because it's it's not a it takes away this them and us problem with improvement where managers sort of talk about the teams need to improve rather than we need to get better at quality or we need to get better with our customer satisfaction so Let's make it we, and 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 and, um, and then we we all have our activities. What are you know? The managers need to be saying what are we doing to improve customer satisfaction? You know, what are we doing to support the teams? But what are we doing as our, ourselves? It's um it, uh, another another point about this, by the way, is that on the one hand, absolutely. So measuring impact is is very very important. But what I see a lot as well is that you know, again, sometimes teams and scrum masters and coaches take metrics uh, like almost on, on face value and just say, we need some metrics and they'll just get a bunch of metrics and start measuring stuff. And then it's like, well, hang on, but what are we doing? Okay. So we're measuring cycle time. That's great. But what are we doing with that? What, what action are we taking from that? What, what are we using it for? And there is no answer to that. So what we really, what's really, really important as well is that much better to sort of say, well, if we're trying to improve, um, say, our quality, you know, quality practices, as an example, what are two or three things we can measure that help us gauge, you know, uh, the quality of what we're producing and then and then actually use that rather than just measure stuff and then and then say, well, we're measuring all these things. So we're, you know, it, it's in of itself isn't isn't really useful. Whereas if so, it's much better to start with a its much better to only measure two or three things. Attached to a, an actual real improvement that you're trying to make, yep. rather than measure twenty things and and not have that.
0: Yeah, there should be a hypothesis tied to what we're collect the data we're collecting. Yeah. right. Yeah. We have a
1: hunch that something's wrong here. Here's the
0: the data we're, that we're looking at. Here's the KPIs we're going to use to make sure we aren't breaking our system. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's that's a really important like kind of like safety tip there. I think yep. the 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 last thing I would try to kind of close the feedback loop on this celebrate these wins in the sprint review, Okay, right? Go to sprint review and say, look, we've got these three slices of awesome value delivered. And by the way, operationally, our cycle time has improved without a decrease in quality. And, and what this has bought us is that we don't have to make that higher that we thought we were going to have to make. Oh, and by the way, we're getting some capacity back. So our sprints are less, it's, it's less cost per slice. Uh, we're not going to have to add head count. And, and by the way, this is what I'm going to continue coaching and the team's going to continue working on so that we can maintain that that success. and if you're start if you're socializing that no one's going to ask you so what exactly do you do here. right? that's, that's not going to it won't yeah. be a topic.
1: it's such a it's such a, a massive point um sprint reviews they they they're always just demos of yep. what the team has done in the sprint. the team never ever talks about yeah, those kind of yeah. What are we What are we doing to improve operationally? And like you say, those success stories, because you know, if if you, for example, um, you know, improve your uh, you know imp- improve your cycle time, or you reduce defects, or whatever, that has an impact impact on your team capacity to create more value for the business and you can actually articulate that and you can put numbers on it even you can say we now have 20 20% more capacity in our team that actually you know based on the sort of you know average value of the product features we're delivering that equates to x yeah. amount of money you know don't be shy in like in in celebrating those operational um those operational improvements and then yeah that implicitly shows the value of the coach the coach can sit back in the corner of the room watch this stuff happening and the, their value is being highlighted without having to explicitly say anything. Yeah. Because well, you would never have done that if you had not coached them in those ways and helped them establish those metrics and everything else.
0: Exactly. I, I, I agree with you. I think the Sprint Review, I think product owners and scrum masters and agile coaches are wasting a yep. great opportunity to really have a great conversation with people. Um, I think you know working in this way, Neil, it's gotta be a sign of great stewardship of of dollars you're being trusted with, and that's yep. got to build trust, right? Yep. So I yeah, treat every,
1: yeah. If you treat every two week, every fortnight <laughs> <laughs> that you're working as we have just given you um, the money to fund your team for two weeks, yeah. now justify why we should give you another two weeks. If you if you have that mentality, your sprint review is going to be a lot more effective because you, yeah. you're now really thinking about well, you know. This thing that's probably going to take us two months—is it actually worthwhile for us to spend two months on that, rather than just sort of slap, you know pat ourselves on the back for saying it's only going to be two months away? You know, really, that mindset of this is our money we're spending uh, is a powerful way to get you thinking um, and uh, applying those constraints to how you do do your work. You know, I, I had
0: a boss, and then we'll we'll wrap up with this because I I know people are like. You guys, thirty minutes is too long. I, I hope people are getting value out of this. But a vo- a boss would always tell me, and this was not a, mo- a malicious statement. It sounds like it could be, but he'd say, you know, Ryan, we all earn the right to come back into the office each and every day. Yeah. And I think that that mindset. It wasn't. He didn't want us to play scared. He wanted no. us to make sure that our time was being spent in the right places. We weren't sitting in meetings that were not valuable. That we were working on ways to bring value back to the company, so that. You never had to justify why you were there. And I think that's such, just such a good mentality. Evidence-based management can help you do that. OKRs, KPIs, and then yeah. improve and demonstrate it and use that, that those sprint reviews to, to use Neil's technique here. I think you're going to find that these events go a lot better. Your teams improve. There's a lot of energy around your work. And uh, maybe the question about, so what does an agile coach actually do? Maybe that question goes away as you socialize these ideas right
1: absolutely yep that that um you know that that sort of coaching coaching value cycle it's really four steps establish an improvement agenda establish an imperative coach and embed and then inspect and then that feeds back into what you do next and really those four things as a coach from an you know again if you put aside the delivery bit because that's always going to be yes we're delivering stuff but in terms of the things we're trying to improve just thinking about that cycle and how you actually create artifacts and create that imperative and all those things can be a good, good starting point.
0: Yeah. Neil could not, could not agree more. I really appreciate you walking us through this and and allowing me to interject here and there. I think it's a, just such a great mentality to take into a team that uh, I hope a lot of people got a lot out of that. And uh, I hope they start doing this. There's, there's so many good opportunities to demonstrate value. It's not just delivery, it's improvement. And yeah. And all sorts of other great things. So Neil, just thank you so much. I appreciate you giving up part of your morning to, uh, to bring these great topics and ideas uh, to the viewers.
1: No problem. Pleasure, Ryan.
0: Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. That's another episode of Fixing Your Agile Coaching. Hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss the videos we drop on the YouTube channel. Check out the socials. Uh, we've been actively stirring people up on LinkedIn lately. I'm sure you'll get a kick out of that along with some other things we've been doing on Twitter and Facebook uh like going live so we've been doing that a lot lately too sure to check out the videos that just popped up we're sure that you're going to like those just as much well at least the youtube algorithm thinks you will and we hope that's true as well um leave us your comments below let us know what you think about these topics these longer form videos are you using some of these techniques in your own scrum and agile practices let us know uh we'd love to see your questions your comments try this out you know come back and let us know if it worked and uh, hopefully things uh, played out exactly as we we laid out. But if not, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. We hope, uh, again, let us know about the value in the comments. And uh, yeah, we'll bring you another episode of Fixing Your Algebra Coaching next week. Cheers, everybody. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training.